Hello everybody and welcome back to Discerning Consciousness. I'm your host Ant and once again I'm joined by my co-host Mike. Nice to have you here again Mike. Nice to be here. Thank you very much. Um, so it's good to have you all on board again listening in. And today we're talking about the Truman Show uh, in terms of a metaphor for the spiritual uh, personal journey of awakening. So this links into our previous episode where we spoke about the hero's journey, Mike. Interesting. Yeah, um, like we briefly mentioned last time, this one is a very interesting story when it comes into context of the hero's journey, mm. because it doesn't neatly fit into the to the paradigm. Not not into the not into the the different stages. That's why we've decided not to um, go through each stage like we did last time, because the Truman Show doesn't necessarily apply or break down, does it, in that way? Um, yeah, so there's um, unique things about it, like, um, you know, he, he he never returns, because no, no. the aim was to never return. No, it was just to escape. Yeah. So, in terms of the Truman Show itself, just to give a little bit of context, um, it was a fascinating film that was first released in 1998, and initially, at least, um, it was seen to be a kind of critique of uh, the media, uh, the growing emergence of a, a surveillance state, and also, of course, um, the whole kind of piss take of reality TV, wasn't it, Mike? I mean, I remember when I first saw it, that's the level of understanding that I took from it. I mean, the weirdest thing is, I mean, I was quite young back then when it came out, and as far as I remember, it almost pre predated um, reality TV. As far as, as I'd actually as seen it, as an actual it. genre. So yeah, it was really quite prophetic in that regard. So so it? as far as I was concerned, this was like wholly unique. It it was a standalone. Like wow, I don't know how to place that. Mm -hmm. And then it's almost life imitated art, and sure. actually reality TV shows became the big thing. Next. Sure. And here in the UK, and then latterly in America, of course, the big one was um, Big Brother itself, which became the prototype <laughs> yeah. for sort of reality TV shows. Anyway, back to the film itself. So if you haven't seen the film. Obviously, it stars uh, Jim Carrey as um, Truman Burbank, and he is a character, unwittingly, um, in a reality TV show, uh, which is created by a character called Christoph, and he was adopted um, by, um, first person to be adopted, I believe, by uh, a corporation. So he is unaware that from uh, birth, he's... Um, basically, his every move is just a contrivance, and he's... Um, on an island on Sea Haven, uh, in this dome, this con construct, and everyone else in the show is just an actor, and he's completely unaware, isn't he, Mike? At least initially. Yeah, uh, it's a crazy setup, lovely premise, and they couldn't have chosen a better actor to do it rather than Jim Carrey. Yeah. Um, just absolutely interesting. Like I love how every shot in this film is almost made to look like it was. Uh, kind of like a spy camera. There's yeah, always yeah. things put into the foreground in front of Jim sure. Carrey to give you that perspective, sure. um, fringing around the edges. So just the way it's shot. Yeah, everything about it is brilliantly done. Yeah, yeah. So obviously um, the name uh, True Man is a bit of a hint towards, um, you know, some of the themes of the film in that he, the film is essentially um, his journey towards truth or his journey towards selfhood or as Jung would say individuation which really is all of our story so you could say it's the it's like um the human show or you know uh the true man show or the true woman show do you know what i mean i mean i would put it more simply as just he was the only true man to be in that dome to be in that environment yeah sure yeah you could in in that regard you could drill it down to that simplicity so as we said earlier the creator um of the construct was a character called christoph and again it doesn't take much of a leap of imagination to realize the meaning there christ the word christ christoph so the creator and he very much throughout the film and later on we're going to go in first of all we're going to look at glitches in the matrix aren't we mike and then we're going to look at um, some actual scenes and their deeper meaning. But yeah, obviously with Christ as the, the creator of the show, that's an interesting reference. And 
one of the themes um, that struck me um, when looking at the film again more in more detail for researching this episode is this constant theme of fear how they're constantly trying to instill this sense of uh, fear within Truman so obviously so he doesn't leave or at least he doesn't attempt to leave and you can see the mirror within uh, our everyday society one of the main controlling mechanisms is fear isn't it yeah so um I mean, the main reason we chose this film to be um, one to be analysed is because it's so great when it comes to viewing it in a spiritual or conspiratorial sure. meaning, um, yeah. the whole waking up process to either in that sense, Absolutely, yeah. like in the fact that he was realising the whole world was a, a lie around him. Is a like complete the, construct. Is like the conspiratorial one, but then on the other side him like you were saying those fears and overcoming them is like him awakening in a spiritual sense mm. Mm. so some of the which we'll go into more detail in a while but obviously some of the main conspiracy ones are the weather program <laughs> and the fact that they speak to like the moon obviously being a construct and there are many theories aren't there mike around the moon not actually being a planet and that it might be a, a man-made stroke alien made structure <laughs> yeah well scientists definitely are starting to think it might be a bit hollow yeah exactly so that so it speaks to that but as you rightly say mike what's really interesting is there there are parallels real strong parallels with um not only in terms of spiritual waking like for me it was very much about getting into conspiracies and that's how I began to realise, oh my God, everything that I've been, uh, you know, conditioned to believe was true through the media and my schooling is basically complete lies. So to kind of like then go on to more a spiritual aspect. And what I like about the film is it straddles those two themes, really, doesn't it? Like yeah. Like just saying. Um, also, what I really find interesting... Uh, essentially about the film is this idea of healing childhood trauma because another ongoing theme of the film is he he loses his father doesn't he uh in a boating accident a contrived so, one in the contrived one well of course yeah so from the moment you know um the film starts there are many references to fear to, to crossing water so and it's only when in the final scene which we'll go on to that he's able to heal his childhood trauma and as we know in terms of personal spiritual awakening one key aspect mike is um healing and especially childhood trauma because if we take that forward we can't really advance in our lives can we i mean one of the brilliant things that i find about the film is every time he hangs out with his friend it's mm. always by water yes that's um, true. which is a brilliant way to represent the fact that we always tend to be a kind of masochistic when it comes to our fears because, yeah, they, they might be uncomfortable things that we don't want to happen, but because we don't want them to happen, we let those fears control our minds. So sure, yeah. we tend to be masochistic about it. And that's sure. a wonderful way to represent it in visual. Yeah, sure. So moving on now, what we're going to talk about, um, making more actual references to scenes in the film is something casually called glitches in the matrix so this these are various points at which the character truman burbank begins to realize mike that um something's off so it's a bit like um in our everyday society uh where we're going about our normal day-to-day -day lives you know just hanging out with friends going to work but there are certain events that happen you think hold on What's going on here? That there's, doesn't there's, quite match up. That doesn't quite <laughs> match up. There, there's more to life than just, you know, get a good career, find a wife or husband or partner, work hard for 40 years, you know, have a nice pension, then retire. Mm, there's a lot more going on. And the first one is the opening scene, Mike, with the falling light, uh, which is obviously from the scene. Uh, obviously, there's a little message on um, or a sign on the actual lamp itself, which is quite revealing, isn't it? Yeah, doesn't it mention the dog star? Yeah, so it's it says um, it's labelled Sirius Nine Canos Major, which I believe you know what that actually means. Um, it's just a reference to a particular star in the, the dog star system in that sense. Right, okay, which is said to be the brightest star as well. Yeah, it? yeah, so um, it's kind of like a symbolic representation of, you know, he is the star of the show. He is, is yeah. the brightest star that fell down. Sure. Um, yeah. And it was, you know, the great herald to, to a change to come in that sense. Mm. 
Um, what I find interesting about that scene is when he picks it up and looks at it, he almost immediately knows what he is, even though he's never seen it before, because he looks straight at a street lamp and goes... Yeah, there's almost like Hang a, on a, bit. a subconscious awareness there, isn't there? Yeah. But, but still, he almost ignores it and then goes about yeah, his daily yeah. life. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a bit like in our day-to-day lives where we have these anomalies or synchronicities that happen, but we dismiss them. So, you know, like uh, people who aren't interested in the nature of truth or researching the nature of truth or looking at things in a more deep, profound way, they'll say, oh, mm, I was just thinking of Barbara, and do you know what? Five minutes later, she phoned. Then they dismiss it, and then it's on to the next. You know. Hey, talk about the conspiracy one. I was just talking about getting a new one of them, and now Amazon's advertising <laughs> that to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, that's an interesting um, glitch. Um, the next one that we've considered is the rain rain shower so this is quite early on in the film where he's on the beach i believe and the rain just starts to fall a shower but it's just literally above his head yeah and just several, <laughs> yeah like a focus like a light beam but then uh, a few seconds later the the heavens open but again it's like an indication that something isn't quite right although he he has yet to cotton on isn't he i mean what was it it was almost like a scene out of um the old tv show what was it um Bugs Bunny in that. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, almost yeah. like one of those cartoon yeah, yeah, things. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's... so ridiculous. And he actually laughs about it he when does. he starts following him. He does, yeah. It's quite it's quite comical. But at this stage, it's important to, to, to note that he's still very much... He's, he's got this disquiet in that he wants to leave. He's, he's still has this awareness. He wants to go and go to Fiji. He wants to leave um, Sea Haven. But he's not aware of uh, any inconsistencies that are going on. He's not aware that he might just be in a reality TV show. So he's got that discontent that a lot of us feel, but he hasn't acted on it, has he? Yeah, so like you were saying, it's very generic discontent. Yeah. You know, as far as he's concerned... Hates his job. He's he's not exactly in love with his wife. His wife wants a kid and he doesn't. So very similar kind of ideas. But in the way, he, he still doesn't think there's anything out of order with no, his world. No, no, it's just that, as I said before, general discontent. So moving on, like the next one is a key scene or a glitch in the matrix as we were calling these, is when his dad gets taken hostage, Mike. Now that's that's the, this is a real key point because his da- his perspective does begin to shift, doesn't it? Yeah, so seeing his dad, um that trauma of the fact that he thought he died and then yeah. like, his dad standing in front of him, that's enough to shake him out of his ordinary world. Yeah, sure, exactly. So the next one we've identified in, in terms of a, a glitch in Truman's reality is the beach scene. So this is when they go back to when he was at uni. This is the character Sylvia, I think. And she's the one that's campaigning to get him released. So obviously she's aware of what's going on and she tries to awaken him to his reality by saying, look, Truman, this is all for you. The sand is fake. This is all fake. So it's the first time he's ever ever been told that something's untoward. Question. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But he still doesn't question it himself. All no. he questions is the fact that she has been taken away. Yeah, yeah, sure. And... Um, you know, it's the, the the love interest for her that drives him to want to go to Fiji in the first place. Yeah, sure. And again, Mike, as you said, it's by water. And they run down the sand dunes, don't they, to water. So again, yep. it's like, is he masochistic? He loves and hates that water all yeah. at the same time. So um, now, obviously, his reality has been shaken up. So he's kind of spinning in his wheels, isn't he? So, oh, yeah, but from seeing his dad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I would equate this to, I mean, in in terms of my own life and awakening, to first of all, when I was first researching conspiracies, I was still of the idea, I didn't want it to believe, I didn't want to believe it. I think it's similar to that stage. You know, I was I was getting into researching 9-11 and 7-7 and thinking, okay, I get this. I get these people's explanation. I understand that the mainstream explanation doesn't seem plausible, but I still didn't want to believe it because I thought if I open that door, how far am I? You know, how far does it sounds a cliche? So I do apologize. But how far does that rabbit hole go? Go. So I was just literally standing on the edge. And I think this is like similar to Truman. He's a, he's aware that there's a whole different almost, you know, world or dimension out there. But he still can't, you know, grasp it. Well, 
to be fair, I would say at this stage in his life, he's not really that aware. He doesn't know. There's just been a few off moments and they mm. go, oh, interesting, and mm. moves on. Mm. And it's not really until um, the next glitch in the Matrix, um, the car tracking. Oh, that's one, yeah. That's when he's really aware. That's when it really aware. starts to be in your face. You can't ignore the fact that, hang on, this guy is just saying exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. So just to explain this, the scene a little bit for our listeners, he, he pulls onto the main road and then suddenly the radio changes and it's almost like um, the director's uh, a feed of where he is. So uh, Truman's just turned onto Main Street and yeah, we're, we're tracking him. Oh, he's all, he's almost crashed into someone. So change, change the signal. Change, change, change the signal. So, and he kind of kicks the radio because first of all, he thinks it's just an anomaly. or Yeah. So. And then they try and play it off. It was like, oh, it looks like we caught a police feed there. Or something. Yeah. And then they just change the frequency, don't they? Everyone yeah. stops and then they just kind of carry on. And they on. get that high buzz. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the next next one, next scene or glitch in the Matrix is not far on from this point where he, he goes into work, doesn't he, I believe? And he, he, he walks towards the lift and then he sees them closing the door and at the back of the lift it's just like there's a table with actors and there's like lunch and he realised there's no actual lift there. Oh yeah, that's that's uh, the first true visual confirmation that hang on, this this is getting crazier and crazier because beforehand um, with the light falling that's just off something fell from a plane. Yeah, it's just like a anything. random event. Yeah, yeah, the rain, I was just like that was odd but never mind. Um, seeing the dad one that still doesn't mean the world no, is fake. It's no, just no. been your it dad's could, back in your life. It could have happened. Um, and even the the car tracking, you know, that can sure. be explained away in your own mind. Yeah, but sure. but suddenly seeing that the building isn't a building, exactly. the lift is not it's a lift. It's just a set. Basically. How far does this illusion go? Yeah, exactly. Um, what's that, interesting? Sorry to interrupt, Mike. What's interesting? Uh, I'm not sure if our listeners who've seen the film have noticed this, but when he walks out of work, obviously in distressed state. He hits the guy, the electrician or whoever it is, on the ladder, and he just doesn't even flinch, does he? Hits him with his his briefcase because <laughs> <Yeah>. it... <laughs> he doesn't know how to react. And he doesn't know how to react because it wasn't kind of like in the scene. So he just kind of goes, he looks at him, and then just carries on. Yeah, that, huh? that was on. Um, but interestingly enough, the, from that no lift scene, um, it then moves on to when he um, nearly gets hit by a bus. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And that's quite a powerful scene right there, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is, because he almost commandeers the bus, doesn't he? Because he stands in front of it, he puts his hand up, and then he turns around and he, he stops another car, and it's almost like that God moment where he, 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 re he realises his power as a sovereign individual. And I think... That almost equates to, you know, that idea of a God complex. So when someone begins to stumble across the real true nature of reality, and it might be through conspiracy or it might be just understanding about alternative healing, about different aspects of science that is kept from us, we can begin to generate this idea, oh my God, is it just me stumbling onto that? Uh, am, I, am I, you know, a bit like what David Icke was criticised of back in the day, being a Jesus God-like character? And I think that is a model or prototype for that. Well, I think that works both in spiritual and conspiracy in the fact that, you know, like you're saying, is it just me who knows this when it comes to like um, conspiratorial knowledge, what's really going on or with even, the world? Or even, as I said, esoteric knowledge. But yeah. then you move on to the spiritual aspect and it's just like, holy shit, I'm, a, I'm, like, I'm like a part of God. Yeah, but, sure. but then you've got to like almost counteract that with um, changing a definition of what God is exactly. because then you find out that God is just everything. It's, it's, and... Yeah, we're all an expression of God. Yeah, right? so so it's not just, just you, it's no, no. you and everyone that, else. That brings you back down to earth. <laughs> yeah. So the next glitches are related more to um, his character, the wife. And the first one is where um, he notices uh, on one of the wedding photos um, that she's actually crossing her fingers. Oh, her... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously he's a little bit alarmed, thinking, hmm, what is this, an arranged marriage? <laughs> you know, that's when he starts thinking that, um, you know, she's a part of the act and she's in it too. Absolutely, And yeah. to be honest, it's pretty damn obvious with her performances. <laughs> yeah, sure. And then leading on to this, uh, he's obviously now extremely concerned that his wife might be in on the game, is when he uh, 
demands that she sits in the car with him and he uh, notices that there's a, a car, a VW Beetle with a dent in the fender, uh, someone on a bike, uh, oh sorry, on a push bike, yeah. yeah, and then someone walking by with flowers and he notices that they're on like this loop and he points it out to her. So by this point, she's thinking that her husband Truman is completely bonkers. And, and this is interesting in that for me, personally, my, I don't know about you or our listeners, this reminds me a little bit of this stage when I was trying to point out these discoveries to other people I, I knew. I can I can remember one occasion at work many years ago. It's like I was looking up at the sky, and it's when I really got into researching geoengineering, climate manipulation, and chemtrails. Yeah. And I was looking up at the sky, and I kind of like commandeered someone who was near me, a colleague, and I and I was like, point look, and it was two planes. You know when you get one that's leaving a contrail or a chemtrail, shall we say, yeah. and one that isn't. And he just literally couldn't see it. But you know when you get that, I had almost that that religious zeal in that. Look, look, look this is what is happening. You know, like you Truman. feel like you're gonna wake up the world. Yeah, like, like, come like, on, don't, can't you see yeah, what's can't going you see on? This? Can't you see this? So for me, I think that's what I equate that scene to. Um, so in terms of uh, moving on now, Mike, what we're going to look at is some more of the pivotal scenes, aren't there, uh, within the movie and their deeper meaning. So the first, uh, what we're going to look at is in terms of, um, this is when uh, after Truman is reunited with his dad, there's an interview with Christoph. Uh, in the lunar room, as it's called, some journalist um, interviews him. So um, I think the interesting thing about this, as we've spoken about before, Mike, is this is when Christoph really is the embodiment of the godlike figure because he's, you know, he's brought um, the character, uh, the dad character, back in. Truman is kind of like back in, you know, on a, an even kill sort of thing. Well, I think we should start off with saying that that scene starts off with them zooming in on the moon from almost Truman's perspective. Oh, yeah, yes. And then going into the fact that you see Christoph just behind it looking down yes, on everyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, then when the interview starts, they introduce him as the creator of the world. Exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, so it was your idea, you brought this into being, you did sure. all this. Yeah, um, sure. You know, so I know you keep your privacy very to yourself. Sure, yeah. Which I find ironic, considering that Truman had none in that exactly, sense. Exactly, yeah. There's a bit of... Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> yeah. And um, what's interesting, um, there's some interesting dialogue here, is the chap interviewing Christoph says, well, why doesn't... You know, everyone's asking, why doesn't Truman wake up to his reality? Why doesn't he escape? You know, why is that? And then Christoph says, we accept the reality of the world with what we're presented. So in other words, he doesn't know anything different. So how is it? How is he going to question it? So again, this relates back to like with myself in terms of conspiratorial relation, uh, awakening, shall we say. Other people, their reality is just the mainstream model. So you're presenting them with this alternative. It's like, this is just stuff of crazy. This is crazy talk. All I know is this. And you're presenting me this, you know, YouTube clip, this book, whatever it might be. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. Do you know what I mean? It's a bit like a fish only knows water. Exactly. <laughs> do, do, do you know what I mean? Kind of thing. And then the other interesting thing, Mike, uh, also for our listeners, is the uh, Sylvia character calls into the show, doesn't she? And initially they want to cut her off. Christoph says, no, no, let, let the caller carry on. He um, likes reminiscing with old cast Yeah, members. yeah, yeah, <laughs> sort of done very skillfully. And she said, you know, it's an, it's an abomination what you're doing. He's imprisoned. You know, this shouldn't be happening because she's obviously campaigning for his release. And what she says to Sylvia, the Sylvia character, is Truman can, can leave at any time. He isn't imprisoned. And he goes on to say, you know, what you don't like, as he calls her, is Truman prefers his cell, as you call it, <laughs> which for me is a deeply, uh, you know, philosophical point about all of this awakening process that we're, we're talking about here in that and deeply related to the theme of the constant fear that, that they keep um, imprinting into Truman is that we almost we almost uh, prefer 
the cage, if you like, or the cave, because it's what we know. It's the safety. It's the safety of Plato's cave and the shadows on the wall, because the real figures outside of the cave, oh my God, they're, they're you know, what, what, what am I going to, what's going to be expected of me? At least in, in the much. distortion, <laughs> in the illusion, I know what's, what's occurring. Do you know what I mean? I mean, what I find about that phrase though, is that um, you might find he prefers his cell, is that, how does he know if he prefers it or not? As he hasn't experienced anything else to, yeah, yeah, to compare sure. to. Sure. Um, so, you know, I hate when those phrases are used as a justification for stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. But I totally get what they're representing there. And the fact that, yeah, what, awakening up to, to your true self can, can actually be quite frightening in its own way. Because, you know, that means you have those responsibilities. And the power to, to realise, like we were saying before, when you realise that you know you're not god or jesus but you are an aspect of creation of the universe we're made of stardust it's like oh that's quite a responsibility actually i think i'll go back in the construct the machine thank you very much what's for dinner yeah you what's know? on netflix <laughs> yeah, exactly so the other thing that uh, i equate this to is david ike's uh, quote where he said talks about the prison without bars in other words Certainly since the Second World War, as we've spoken about on our op episode about propaganda and um, you know, social engineering, um, it's very much a mental construct. It's very much uh, the control is very much done through psychology. And, yeah, you know, yeah, they get you to construct your own prison. Exactly. So, you know, I thought I think maybe this is also we can see that um, that's what Christoph is oh yeah definitely well. getting to it and that's what i was saying it works so perfectly for that conspiratorial underlying meaning yeah absolutely that's very good um so moving on this is one of my favorite scenes mike is when his wife is is there at home and now truman is just going for it he's convinced that his wife is in on it and when she's doing one of her ridiculous product placements and this is with the the chopping i was gonna say just to give the scene a bit of context, yeah. it starts uh, off that he's just had a bit of a crazy meltdown, yeah. driving all over the place um, yeah. and being subdued by uh, men in like silver radiation Yeah, suits. right, when he try yeah. tries to escape. So they're saying, look, we're not going to press charges oh, this time. the police bring him yeah. back, don't they? So, but if this happens again, that's it. And we we're can get you him. help. So it's the classic, the classic scene where it's... He's waking up and, oh, men, uh, we need to get you help. We need to get you some mental health, uh, you know, yeah. some counselling or something, Truman. We'll get you better, don't worry. And what was it? He's just sitting there wondering what the hell is going on, can't really deal with everything because it's just too much to sure. interpret he's in a, It's the first time that he's we've noticed, uh, obviously, in the car before, where he's in a real state of distress. Yeah, yeah. Um and what was it? They're having a conversation and he just turns to her and goes, why do you want to have a baby with me? Yeah. You can't even stand me. I know. And then he, and then after she does the product placement. Because he... what was it? She was like, no, Truman, of course I, I, I love you. And then just turns around and goes, why don't I make you a cup of this? <laughs> and then does a product placement, like you say. And then, and then he says to her the famous words, you know, who, who are you, who are you talking to? And then he, he he grabs her, doesn't he? And then she says, do something. Uh, how am I supposed to work under these conditions? So, you know, again, Truman's thinking, my God, she's she's in on it. And then um, the friend turns up, doesn't he? Because what was it? Um, she says, do something to the crowd. And then it, she, he Points takes the knife off, like, what the hell's going on <laughs> exactly. here? Who? Who are you talking to? Yeah. Um, and then what was it? The, the friend turns up with beer. Yeah, yeah. And then she runs over to him and goes, um, how am I expected to work <laughs> under these conditions? It's unprofessional. <laughs> and again, uh, Mike, and for our listeners, what I really like about this scene is um, when you are going, when you are awakening on a, to, you know, your own personal truth, shall we say, it can feel like other people, you know, your friends and family are colluding in the illusion, especially if they're resistant 
to your insistence that no actually this is the way the world is these things are happening you might not like to believe that things are this evil and corrupt but they are and you and it can feel like you said before mike very lonely and isolating because they're very resistant in the main not even necessarily resistant i mean talking about uncaring it's just like okay and whatever mate who yeah, cares exactly. yeah um and that's almost like in the scene when she was like you know do you even like me and she was like no of course i like you hey how about some it's great okay. cup of this coffee <laughs> like you know there's just no emotion no caring there whatsoever no, no. Uh, and it's it, it it demonstrates again how it is it can be really difficult to cope with life when your friends and family on a, are on a completely different wavelength because that's what we're talking about aren't we essentially it's yeah. like oh my god these people i used to really be able to connect with but now you know all, all we can talk about together is you know uh, what's happening at work what's on tv uh, what we're going to eat tonight they're never interested in talking about you know why things are the way they are they're never interested in talking about the the roots of existence and why we do the things we do in life so it is very lonely isn't it because because they're just too heavy subjects for most exactly, people <laughs> yeah and i think that was that is kind of reflected slightly in that uh scene mike which is interesting now one scene i want to quickly mention now before we go on to others is one that happened quite early on and it was the one that really established his fear of the water and that was the the ferry scene oh, yes i forgot that one that's interesting isn't it yeah i mean so he, he's got an option for for a great a great sale um he's got to get a promotion from sure. it um and he's looking forward to it and the most interesting part of that scene, though, is actually when he goes to buy his ticket. Yeah. And the guy just turns to him, like, single or, or return. return. <laughs> like, he's giving him the option to leave right there and then. Sure. And Truman just looks at him with a crazy look and was like, return? Yeah. You know, like, you crazy? Yeah. yeah, that was a very interesting scene. So we're travelling back in terms of the chronology of the film. Uh, but this is another interesting scene when he drives over the bridge, Mike. Uh, with his wife and um, he's in the car but he literally because of his trauma of water um, she grabs the wheel and he presses the accelerator and they drive, drive over and at one point they drive over through fire now what I thought was interesting that's kind of maybe kind of speaks of the idea of phoenix from the flames or the idea of alchemy and transformation in that everything needs to be uh, burnt right down to its constituent parts. Yeah, definitely, because that was his first attempt at passing the water barrier. The threshold, yeah. Um, but he did it in such a way that he didn't truly do it by himself. He, no, he no. still had to shut his eyes and get his wife to hold the wheel while he just put the accelerator down. Yeah. Um, so it was almost like you've passed a threshold, but you haven't done it properly. But it wasn't the ultimate test, which comes later, obviously, with the boat Exactly, scene, that's we'll what I was saying. About. It was the trial test and yeah. he failed and that's why he didn't escape that time. No, he got no, brought no. back. So although he, he did go through the threshold in that he passed over the water and through the fiery furnace, um, he still wasn't able to leave, like you said. So it's yeah. kind of like uh, an in-between position. Yeah, because, I mean, the way I will almost see it in a spiritual sense is that um, because he only half-arsed, got over the barrier sure um he, he he didn't get all the way you know you've got to have that intent there properly sure yeah so the next aspect of the film we're going to focus on we're calling escaping the cave so this is when um he the character truman has said to marlon his friend look i'm leaving i'm definitely leaving so it it lays the seed that you think well he's going to try and escape and sure enough he sets up a uh, like a dummy doesn't he in the yeah. basement so the editor and the uh, you know all the staff in the 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 moon construct think that he's just sleeping and then marlon drives down there and actually no it's just a dummy and truman's actually escaped because what was it just before that he wakes up and he scares everyone almost by looking directly into the mirror like I know there's a camera behind yeah, yeah. there. Yeah, sure. And then he starts talking to them and almost like then drawing a helmet. Sure. And I find that's uh, quite an interesting one because, you know, that's him saying, I feel like an alien and all this. Sure. But I know this is all for me. So, you know, I am now planet um, ruler of planet Burbeck or whatever yeah, it he was. says. Yeah, yeah. 
and then he rubs it all off. Oh no, it was true mania. True mania, that was yeah, it. Yeah. And then he literally winks at the camera and then goes, that one's for free. Or yeah, something like that's that. one for you guys. Yeah. And, and that's also, I think, where he's awakening to his reality. But he's almost like playing along. Yeah. Um, and it's not long after that he, he does this escape mm. magic trick and you've got to admit it was a good one. <laughs> yeah. And what's interesting, I feel, I don't know if our uh, listeners have noticed those of which who've seen the film, of course. But this is the first point where there's kind of a malevolency or aggression in the when they're looking for him. It's quite aggressive. You've got the guy with the dog, and there's like, we, re we really need to get him because, you know, if he escapes, our careers are over. Yeah. And that's the first part in the film where I... And for me, that speaks to when I remember the whole idea of waking people up, which is a common theme, you know, in conspiracy circles. People get angry. Because you're questioning their reality, you're creating cognitive dissonance, and I can remember numerous examples of people actually wanting to punch my lights out. So this is a moment where they're actually there's where there's this anger, you know, yeah. coming. I mean, do you know what? One phrase I do love in that whole while he's escaping, it was just like, "We've got to cut the transmission." It was like, "Why? This test card is getting more viewers than we've ever had." Yes, yeah, the, the, <laughs> the pure cynicism, you know, TV production, wasn't it? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Do love those bits. I <laughs> so, mean, like, quickly, I just want to mention the fact that um, throughout that film, all the kind of, like, um, outtakes where they're actually doing interviews, almost, of people watching it. So you've got the two security guards, sure. you've got the, the two girls behind the, the bar. Bar, yeah. Um, you know, those moments do bring life to this film, I Yeah, find. yeah. And, and also, I mean, where, as we said at the beginning, we're looking at it, this is quite a deep level. When... They cut to um, the, well, not the audience, but I suppose it is the audience. Yeah, anyway. yeah. The audience, like you say, it brings a bit of humanity and humanness to it. And it also, you know, we have to remember that on one level, on maybe a sort of like an everyday understanding, this is kind of like a critique of reality TV. Or do you know what I mean? I was going to say those moments in question, though, where you're actually seeing the people who are watching the show, mm. that was like the film putting a mirror up to us. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. And again, con a constant theme, which we spoke of briefly at the start, Mike, was constantly throughout the film, like when he goes to book a flight to, to get a flight to Fiji, you've got a poster on the wall in the travel agents, you know, with a picture of a plane being struck by lightning. I think there's something about terrorists and rabies or something. So <laughs> there's this constant fear of feet, um, terror. And we see that with our everyday lives, obviously with the whole terrorism meme. You know what I mean? So that there are overtures of that. And it's a constant. And also what I like is, which I can relate to, as I'm sure you can, Mike, is the way in which like his wife or Marlon, his friend, are constantly like, well... Why do you want to leave Steve Haven? You know, you've yeah. got a good job, Truman. You you know, we've got it cushy here. It's really it's really good. Why would you want to explore and venture out into the, you know, outside the cave where it's dangerous, where, you know, there's no security. And, and you know, and that's what Christoph speaks of as well. Yeah, like they do, do their best to keep him in that cage. Exactly, yeah. And we can see how that ha happens. And actually how we do it to ourselves as well as, my, as well as the system. We can't just blame the system. We do it to ourselves in well, our day-to-day -day lives when we run away from and we don't challenge our fears. Like the David Icke says, isn't it? The um, the sheep controlling the sheep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So moving on, Mike, it's a nice lead in, obviously, to him escaping and they can't find him. They almost get to the point where it's like, oh, my God, the show might be over. A disaster. You know, hundreds of millions of people watching around the world. And then it cuts to him on the boat, doesn't it? Yeah. Um. So this is him truly overcoming his fears. Like, do you know what? If I've got to get out. I can only get out by facing my fears. Yeah, sure. Um, and because, what was it, even the design of the set that he's in means that actually going across the water is the more difficult way out. Yeah, I only uh, I only uh, actually noticed that watching the film yesterday. That's an interesting thing, that he didn't have to take that journey. But it's a spiritual representation of the fact that um, to achieve our true goals, to get where we want to go, we've got to face our greatest fears to get there. Yeah, and that's easier said than done. The true interesting the interesting thing with this true scene... <laughs> yeah, indeed, yeah. Yeah, such a great film. The, the interesting thing with, with him on the boat is, again, the link to the idea of conspiracy when 
uh, things are getting dicey and they up um, they up the weather program and one of the uh, producers is told by Christoph uh, launch the the weather program on something oh, yeah. speaks of weather manipulation uh, very strongly doesn't it Which oh yeah is... definitely so it all kind of ties in in a conspiratorial way in so many levels and that's but brilliant the, the scene itself where you see him the boat caps up capsizes he's under the water you're all led to believe that he's dead and then it resurfaces and you've got him splayed on the boat which almost like a, a sort of jesus type cross resurrection figure isn't yeah it? the whole last scene just screams christianity sure. um because not only does he get resurrected almost in a christian type you know arms splayed out um crossway yeah you've also got 10 seconds later he's literally talking to um a son over some clouds yeah, with sure. god speaking yeah. through yeah you don't you don't need to investigate or have <laughs> think too deeply uh to, to work that one out i mean also you've got the waters in terms of baptism i mean there's so many references that you, that you could speak to but the interesting thing is obviously um what eventually gets to a point where fud the boat, the front of the boat hits the edge of the scene hits the, the edge, edge of, of his world the, that's the, been built for him exactly the and um the interesting part of, of this scene, I find, is that still Kristoff, the godlike character, still tries to persuade him that he's better off in the illusion, better off in the distortion. And what really uh, struck me is this: when they go to the lunar room, you see Kristoff and he's holding like this tablet uh, with obviously viewing Truman and he's almost cradling it. Yeah. Like Truman, he's his child, which in a way he is. Yeah, because like he's been with him his whole life. And um, I think one of the best moments about that scene is when um, Christoph tries to go, but um, I've watched you your whole life. I know I know everything about you. And uh, Truman just has to stop him right there and go, you never had a camera in my head. Yeah, which was, I think that's one of the main references of the film that shows you that in spite of, you know, what's going on, control, manipulation, propaganda, you can still, as we say on this show, control your own consciousness. And yep. that, that, for me, is one of the key themes um, of this uh, amazing film. So, going on, um, obviously, it's, as we've said, Christoph is very much like this godlike character. He's speaking to him. But then, Mike, he again, reference again to Jesus. He walks on water, doesn't he, before... Oh, yeah. he, he appears to walk on water before he walks up the ladder. Because so, not even the ocean or water he was in was real, because even real. that was fake. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> so, yeah, he does the kind of like, looks like he's walking on water, even goes up a set of stairs, yeah, ascending sure. to the heavens yeah, almost. Yeah, stairway to heaven. Yeah, yeah, then he comes to the exit door, and just as he opens it, that's where the conversation starts. Yeah, sure. And... Um, just in terms of a Matrix reference here, I think when the door, when he's at the door and it opens, and obviously still hasn't decided if he's going to go through, for me, that equates to like when Neo is offered the red and blue pill. Because he could have taken the, the blue pill in that moment and stayed in the illusion, but he took the red pill and he went into, you know, in the Matrix, he, he actually, after he took the red pill, he went into the real world, if you like, like Truman was uh, leaving the distortion illusion and going through into the real world, which he knew nothing about. So I think that's a nice, nice little uh, analogy for that. And obviously, um, at that moment, that he, he essentially has ascended, really, in a sense, isn't he? Yeah. That's what's interesting about this film is, as we said at the start, there is no kind of like monomyth archetypal return as such is there because i mean even the reference to fiji um he says in the film the reason i want to go to fiji is because it's the furthest away you can get from us without starting to come back again yeah yeah sure yeah so that, that that's a very interesting reference point um for those of you who haven't seen the film um i would seriously suggest uh, as i'm sure mike would do that you check it out because you hang can just on, watch it on. over and over again. We missed one last thing to mention about that end scene, which right. I think is important. Yeah, sure. Um, when Christoph is finally going, say something, speak, goddammit, oh, you're gosh, live yeah, yeah. to the whole world. Yeah, sure. And he literally just turns around after a second of thought and greets him like he does his neighbour. 
if I don't see you. Exactly. <laughs> what yeah. was the phrase? I can't remember uh, what the phrase was, but yeah. it's, uh, if I don't see you, um, good evening and good night or something exactly. like that. Exactly. Yeah. So, what struck me? Thank you for bringing that up. Was again, in that moment, he could have been angry. He could have been really, really angry with Christoph to realise he, his whole life is a construct. His whole life is a sham. It's an illusion. He didn't get. He didn't get angry. He was magnanimous. He was humble. And again, I think that speaks to the path of awakening in that you, it can be really easy to get stuck in intellectual abstractions, to get almost like this um, feeling that you feel uh, more evolved than other people, that because you have certain understandings, you're better than other people. People that the don't ego have, trap. Yeah, that you don't. You know that the stupid sheeple who be herded. You know you're outside of the pen, and I think it speaks to that that moment of yeah, having humility and realizing you need to be magnanimous because just because we or you know people into this kind of stuff have certain understandings. In the overall picture, what does it really mean? You know, is it? <laughs> I mean, that's why he decided to just be like, right, that's it. That's all you're getting. Mm. There's my goodbye. I'm moving on with my life because, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm achieving my goals. I'm not going to let you get in my way sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, very well put. So thank you for bringing our listeners' uh, attention back to that last thing because it is, it's like the whole audience, all those millions of people around the world are on tender hooks. They're wanting him to leave. And I think that's interesting. That aspect of them wanting to him to leave is the fact of, as human beings, we're very often keen for other people. So, yeah, you go on that round-the-world trip. You, you they, go on they, to another content, oh, I couldn't do that, you do that. And it's almost like if they encourage other people to do it, it's almost like, well, um, I kind of want to do it, but if someone else is doing it, oh, that's okay. Yeah, know? it's almost like we all want to benefit by everyone's um, betterment in yeah, that Yeah, yeah, sure, evolvement. Yeah, yeah, and if anything, they've been watching him for like his entire life, so of course they want him to achieve yeah, his yeah. goals. Yeah, sure. Um, but what I find the most fascinating is right after he escapes, it just goes back to those two... Um, security guards who are watching it and they go oh cool so uh what's on next yeah what's on next yeah, exactly. and that and that in a way is almost a perfect way of representing the fact that even though you might be going through your own arduous battles to a um to get wherever you need to go in life a dark night of the soul in a pit of hell at the end of the day to someone else they don't really care no really. exactly yeah. does it does it matter to them that and again obviously the whole film true man is literally man or woman let's be politically correct it's one man's journey or one woman's journey or should i say one person's journey in the non-binary yep. world there we go and it's the main theme is it's individual and it's just us and we can have allies along the way or mentors but essentially it is just us and that's why it's so difficult again it sounds kind of a bit crass to say but that's why it does get tough. Yeah, I mean, I would say it comes down to the fact that we're all going for our own journeys. We're all going for our own problems. Um, be a bit kinder to everyone else. Yeah, like. yeah, exactly. And something that I heard someone say the other day, which I thought was very true. Let's not have this distinction, as we've spoken about in our previous ep episodes about this polarised world of those who are on the path of awakening and those that aren't. We, By dint of being a human being in this physical physical dimension we are on the journey of awakening just as some are doing it at warp speed and some are doing it at snail snail's pace yeah i mean there's nothing i don't know where you that. are or i am at mike or our listeners are on that scale hopefully somewhere in between but let's not get into these distinctions or distortions between those who are on the path and those who are not we're all on the we're yeah all on i mean path. if you want to look at it in a certain perspective it's considered in one for that the planet Earth, humanity is just like a, a school we're all attending. Yeah, sure. We're all learning different lessons at different times, um, you know, so we can't really compare notes in that sense. So, you know, let's just, just get on with it and try and help everyone else. So like you said, to, to, to be um, to be not passive with other people, but to be kindly and, and understanding. Well, I find there's... Um, we're very quick to be like a comparison. Like if someone's tired, someone's got to be more tired. Why can't you both be a bit tired? Like, okay. And you what's mean quick issue? to judge, slow to understand. Yeah. Yeah. So, that, you know, there's just a, okay, how can we try and do something about that? How can we help it out? You know? Yeah. Mm, yeah. 
So just to round things up, Mike, um, we hope our listeners have enjoyed this sort of spiritual, personal journey, awakening slash conspiracy explanation of The Truman Show. I love the film. I've been wanting to do this episode for a long time, as you know. <laughs> I've, been, I've, been, I've been haranguing you about it. So it's good to, to, finally, to finally get it uh, under our belt. Um, as I say, for those of you who haven't listened, go and check the film out. Um, just to tell our listeners that we will explore other films um, from a sort of conspiracy type uh, awakening ang- angle because they can be really helpful on the journey, can't they? Yeah, I mean, like I find um, films fit so nicely into, you know, especially the spiritual um, journey that people go through. Mm. But, you know, certain films just lend them so nicely to the conspiratorial side as well. Like, um, what was it? They Live. We've oh, got to cover yeah, that yeah. one day they, on, they the, on the conspiracy side. And Terry society. Gilliam's Brazil. Is oh, yeah, That's brilliant an amazing film. film. But um, on the other side, I want to explore films eventually, hopefully, um, like Revolver, because that's a really, sure. like, um, what was it? Guy Ritchie at the time, who made it, was into the Kabbalah with um, Madonna. Right. So sure, there's yeah. a lot of ties of that into that oh, film. Excellent. So um, keep, keep abreast of what's going on. We'll be getting some new episodes out on that theme. Um, just to do the obligatory promo stuff. Um, so the best way to connect with us guys here at Descending Consciousness is um, on our Facebook group. So if you're not a member of our Facebook group, um, you can go to our Discerning Consciousness page and you can message us through our Discerning Consciousness page. Anyone can do that. Or you can just put a post there and say, hi, I'd like to be a member of the group, Facebook group, and then I can add you, which would be great. Because we we do uh, welcome... um, input don't we from our listeners oh definitely the more you can add to the group the better in that sense because at the end of the day we want to harbor a sense of um everyone helping each other out community type feeling and as you've noticed i've been more active on the discerning consciousness page um sorry the, the facebook group i should say recently and i really love all you guys who are contributing it's really good isn't it mike to get um people putting you know their videos on there, um, things that they're interested in. I'm learning quite a lot because the intention of starting the group, or at least restarting it and making it active again, is really to make it kind of like a community. Exactly. So we hope you participate, but if you don't, don't feel any pressure. Yeah, sure. So the other thing is, um, of course, there are costs involved in producing a show, uh, hosting costs, etc. So if you would like to uh, make a donation to the show, if you go to, if you type in Podomatic and discerning consciousness in the search engine of your choice on that web page on our homepage, there is a paypal button if you wanted to contribute so thank you all again i'm really glad that you decided to listen in we've really enjoyed this show haven't we Mo? Yeah. one of our favorite films and it's good to get our get our perspective out there so hope hope you've enjoyed it so we we'll just leave you now with our tagline Remember, folks, if you're not controlling your consciousness or in control of your consciousness, then someone else is. Bye for now.